Welcome to this podcast of the Grazia Dio Business Review. This is Audra Quinn, Managing Editor of the GBR, and I'm here today with Dr. Otis W. Baskin, PhD, Professor of Management here at Pepperdine University's Grazia Dio School of Business and Management. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Baskin. Thank you. It's good to be here, Audra. Along with Roger L. New, JD, Dr. Baskin is the co-author of Family Business Succession, Someday This Will All Be Yours Requires a Plan, which explores the differences between business owners who are successful in handing down the business to the next generation and those who are not. This article can be found in Volume 14, Issue 1 of the Grazi Dio Business Review, which is online at gbr.pepperdine.edu. So first of all, when you're dealing with family, things always tend to get a little bit sticky. Uh, what are some of the most common problems that family-owned businesses face when dealing with succession planning? Well, there probably are two major issues, though there are obviously a lot of problems that families can face. But number one is simply a lack of planning, and that comes often from not wanting to deal with the conversation of everyone's mortality. When you're talking to your mother or your father, uh, that becomes very difficult. The other part of that that, that's certainly related to the same thing is that for entrepreneurial families, for people who have started businesses and have really lived that business, planning for the end is a very difficult thing to do. I imagine, yeah. So in the article, you identified two key aspects that can help ensure a successful transition. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think the two key areas to focus on is really a kind of parallel planning process we talk about. So planning for both the family and the business. And this involves uh, both planning in the sense of sitting down and working out issues together and agreements, but it also needs to translate into some legal documents Mm. that make this possible. So there's a a hard, fast legal side. There's also the family side of that transition. Sometimes families actually do the legal part without the family part and without the business governance part. Mm -hmm. So they'll do uh, estate plans that transition assets to the next generation without thinking about how that next generation is gonna actually run the business together Mm -hmm. or thinking about how this transfer of assets is gonna really affect the family. Other times, when they've thought about how it's going to affect the family, then the reaction can be, we won't tell them. And so I have worked with families, very wealthy families, who still actually forge their children's names on their income tax returns well into their 20s because they don't want them to know how wealthy they actually are. Wow, (laughs) that's fascinating. All right, so let's use an example. Um, For instance, I'm the owner of a thriving business and I know that I want all of my hard work to live on beyond my time. How do I kind of psychologically prepare my children to take on the next generation? You know, the, the key is to begin early and it's almost never too early. Literally, children in kindergarten 
can begin to understand some of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a choice of how we present it. Uh, I actually met the man who invented the styrofoam peanut, you know, the packing oh, material. Yes, brilliant man. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he, he was a brilliant man, a, a great engineer, a wonderful business person. His company was one of the largest in the industry. He was devastated in his late 70s because none of his children wanted to own the business. Hmm. Now, they were all very successful people. He was quite proud of what they'd accomplished in their own lives, but they had no interest in his business. But when we talked about that, we spent a whole day together, we talked about that. What had happened was he never invited them to come to work. He never talked about the business with them at home. And they grew up really thinking that they were supposed to go do something else and having no idea what the opportunity might be in this business, this great business he'd created. Mm-hmm. Now, often parents do that out of the best of intentions. They want their children to have freedom of choice, to be everything right. they mm-hmm. can be. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if they don't have enough information about this business to know what opportunities it could present, then they may not be making the best choice. Right. Hmm. That is interesting. So I know you've done uh, a ton of consulting with the Family Business Consulting Group and have a wealth of experience with family-owned businesses around the world. So what are, what's a good example from your own experience on how a business law planning tool can help? Well... I think that they, there are a lot of legal planning tools, and of course it depends on the legal system uh, in which uh, you exist. But in every society, in every culture, it's important to have a shareholders agreement. Mm. Now, every uh, family that I've worked with, every place in the world, has the concept of this business will transition to the next generation, someone from the next generation or sometimes even an outsider will actually be the person who runs the business but this the ownership will stay in my family and it will be there for generations to come but they need a plan for exactly how those people will own it because uh, when it it translates from one person or a couple to four five I've worked with one where there were 10 siblings who were receiving ownership. Then the issue comes, well, you know, how do we deal with this together? What, what, what are our rights? Uh, what do we get out of this? Uh, how do we pass this along to our children in doing this? And how do we work together in making all that happen? So a shareholders agreement really sorts those things out and it's best, it's done best when the founder, uh, or at least the current generation that's uh, in control of the business, works through that with that next generation, provides advice, counsel, helps them to find a way to, to deal with this so that when that significant uh, founder isn't there any longer, the children feel comfortable doing this together. All right, so from kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, what is the best piece of advice that you can give to someone who is being groomed or is about to take over the family business, the, the receiver of, mm. of the business? I think the best single piece of advice is 
you can't do it the way dad did or mom. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what happens uh, almost always, and there's a saying around the world uh, that that wealth doesn't last beyond the third generation. Shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations is often the expression. Mm -hmm. And what that really expresses is that uh, the transitions from first to second generation and second generation to third generation are huge changes for the family and the business because someone who's an entrepreneur and begins a business is the owner, manager, great unity of decision-making. That husband and wife pass their wealth in the form of this business onto their four children and one of those is selected to lead the business but that person has to understand they can't run the business just the way mom or dad did, even though their siblings and their parents and everybody else expect them to. And the reason they can't, as soon as they make the first decision the way dad would, would have made it, their brothers and sisters push back and say, you're not dad. You're not going to accept that same kind of authority mm-hmm. because that next generation leader has something that dad or mom never had shareholders and you have to be able to acknowledge the rights of the other owners in this process they have capital at stake here too and they may have inherited it but so did you (laughs) as Mm -hmm. that leader and you have to acknowledge that they have those rights and be able to work with them as a group. So that's a very different kind of leadership. And then when you go to the third generation, you have cousins, people who did not grow up in the same home together, and they have to find a way to be an ownership group. In family business, we have a saying that um, the secret is patient capital. That means the people who own this business are happy to be owners. They're not out on the market trying to turn a profit every day. And that's a great strength because I know that I've got this capital to work with and we can uh, make progress with it. We make long-term plans, which is a tremendous advantage in family business. But if you don't acknowledge the rights of those owners, then that patient capital evaporates. And just in today's Wall Street Journal is a feature story on the Prisker family from Chicago. Uh, and all of the assets of their vast financial empire that are having to be sold because of an intergenerational lawsuit in that family. Mm, wow. Those are very valuable insights. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Baskin. Thank you. And be sure to check out the full-length article, Family Business Succession, Someday All This Will Be Yours, Requires a Plan, at gbr.pepperdine.edu. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast of the Grazia Dio Business Review.